Here's what's coming up on your horizon. Well, women in aviation is nothing new. From those early aviators flying around in what looked like a wing and a prayer to today's multi-billion dollar industry where women are filling a growing number of these high demand and high paying jobs. So on this episode, we're going to take a look at the past, present, and future of women in aviation. Stay with us for a Career Tech Horizon. Career Tech Horizon is brought to you by the Oklahoma Department of Career and Technology Education. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. everyone, and welcome to our latest edition of Horizon. We're your hosts, I'm Blaine Singletary. And I'm Rob McClendon, and today we're going to focus on Oklahoma's second largest industry. Yes, that's aviation and aerospace. Yeah, believe it or not, it has over 200,000 jobs in the state. That totals up to about $11.7 billion, an average of 73000 annual salary for people in this industry. And it's been growing rapidly over the past couple decades. And not only is aviation big and just getting bigger, it also has a rich heritage here in the Sooner State. You may have heard of Cessna aircraft. Well, Clyde Cessna did his first test flights out in western Oklahoma just a couple years after statehood. And those early oilmen, they used planes to get from one oil field to the next. And one of those early pilots was the person by the name of Wiley Post. Oh, yeah. But it wasn't just the men that were the earliest pioneers in the skies. Bessie Coleman, who attended Langston University, was the first African-American female pilot. And Shannon Lucid, who grew up in Bethany and attended the University of Oklahoma, was selected by NASA for the first class of female astronauts. And we were there to celebrate all of these female aviation pioneers at a rather cool event, literally. Man, it got really cold on that tarmac. Yeah, I don't know if it was the temperature or just the wind, but I do know it was pretty darn chilly. Hey, you had a coat. (laughs) And you didn't have a big enough coat. I felt sorry for you. (laughs) But no matter the temperature, it was a great day to celebrate and commemorate Oklahoma Women in Aviation and Aerospace Day. With sounds of a bygone era all around, This year's celebration of Oklahoma women in aviation and aerospace was a bit of a trip back in time. The first of its kind signed into law in 2017. This annual event marks the birth of Pearl Carter Scott. You landed in our field. Hell, Mr. Carter. I ain't scared of flying. George, you better put a stop to this where you still can. How often does a plane come tomorrow? Portrayed in the 2012 movie Pearl, Scott learned to fly at the age of 13 under legendary aviator Wiley Post. I think you have an aviator in the family. You can find her an airplane and a good teacher. I'll build her a landing strip and hang her. Becoming the youngest pilot in the country with her first solo flight in September of 1929. All right, Shorty, take it away. I suppose we might have to think about getting a license now. Featuring the youngest flyer in the United States, Miss Pearl Carter! 
the Chickasaw native, later worked as a stunt pilot where she did have her share of thrills and spills. You don't have to go to such extremes to get a reaction from the crowd, though. Despite her adventurous ways, Scott lived to the ripe old age of 89. Everybody, welcome to the third annual Women in Aviation and Aerospace Day event. Um, and it only fitting that on a day to commemorate her and other aviation pioneers, there was a hangar filled with young ladies interested in a similar adventure. I want to be a commercial pilot, hopefully, in the airlines eventually. I started flying in high school and uh, got my private pilot's license. Eventually, the goal is to get into air, uh, aircraft accident investigation. And with the United States now facing a pilot shortage, opportunities in the aerospace industry are abundant, both in the air and on the ground. Right now, the demand for fixers and flyers, men and women who make repairs on aircraft as well as pilots, is astronomical. Greg Dellinger is with AAR, the host of this year's celebration, and a major employer in the aerospace industry. So the demand is there, the do-re-mi is there, the key is switching on our next generation of aviation workforce here in Oklahoma so that they see these opportunities and then make sure that everybody is included, especially as we balance gender, both here at AR and across the whole United States of America, and encourage all people to consider the STEM opportunities, science, technology, engineering, and math educational opportunities to get one of these good jobs. And that's where the Oklahoma Aerospace Commerce Economic Services Program, known as ACES, comes in. State Senator Paul Rosino is the bill's author. Um, and that program is to bring our career tech systems, our universities, all of our aerospace entities, common ed, all together and say, okay, what do we have to do to build workforce? Why are we not filling up our pipeline? And we're doing a much better job on that. Career tech now, as you know, is willing to go to aviation companies and support them if they have specific uh, things that they need fixed on airplanes because we're an MRO state, maintenance, repair, and overhaul. And if we can bring those people together and we can say, hey, this is what we need, Career Tech's willing to go out to those, to those folks and say, this is what we'll do, whether it's 20, 30, 40 people. Which Oklahoma has a lot of. More than 1,200 aerospace companies are located throughout the state with an average annual salary for workers right at $73,000. Once again, AAR's Greg Deliger. We have a career pathway program, what we call at AAR, our Eagle Career Pathway Program. And this is for freshly minted aircraft technicians. So you can achieve your airframe and power plant ratings, start off $16, $17, $18 an hour, and in quick stead, you could be making 21, 22, 23, 24, sky's the limit, $25 an hour. It's a pretty bougie lifestyle, and that's just on the hangar floor, and that's just to start. There is now over 200,000 aerospace jobs in Oklahoma that produce close to $44 billion in economic activity every year. Not bad for an industry who can trace its roots back to those daring men and women in their flying machines. Now 
each year, Oklahoma Women in Aviation and Aerospace Day is held on December 9th, except this year because organizers wanted the event to coincide with a group of women pilots known as the Flying 99s. Jennifer Lynch is the manager of the Flying 99s Museum, which is just off of the road coming out of the Will Rogers Airport. And this is what she told Bank First Loyal TV. The 99s was founded in 1929, and it came about after the first all-women's air derby race from Santa Barbara, California to Cleveland, Ohio. As these women completed this race, they decided that they needed to form a group to represent women in aviation. At the time, there were 118 women who had their pilot's licenses. They reached out to all of them. 99 responded. And so these were the 99s. They met at the Curtis Hangar in Valley Stream, New York on November 2nd, 1929. And they had a tea party out of a mechanics cart. And this was the first meeting of the 99s. Now has over 155 chapters across the world in 30 countries and over 5,000 members. Of the earliest members of the 99s, Amelia Earhart is probably the most notable. And moving forward a few years, the 99s were also members of the Mercury 13, who trained alongside the original Mercury 7 astronauts. And remember, this is the early 1960s, Blaine, to see if women were hardy enough to endure the rigors of space. Norman's Jerry Cobb was part of this group, as was Wally Funk, who we were just lucky enough found us. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I was just out there uh, gathering B-roll and stuff, uh, covering the event, and they're playing this uh, video about the 99s. And uh, suddenly I just get this tug on my arm, and I look over, and she's pointing at the screen saying, That's me! (laughs) So she's just a great character, and we were just Lucky to meet her, yeah. Yeah, we were it was very impromptu. We were glad to get her on the mic. Yeah, yeah. Well, and she truly was a light. Just, just take a listen to a part of her interview. And then I came to Oklahoma State, and I got all the rest of my licenses. I've got them all. ATP, uh, glider, seaplane, balloon, all of them. And I'm, I've been a flight instructor all my life and a chief pilot throughout the United States. How unique was it for a female to do what you did? It was great because I loved my job. I loved people I was with. I never had any problems. Nobody ever said no. When I needed to go get an engineering degree to get on with NASA, I went to uh, somewhere back east, and I said, I came to get an engineering degree, and he tapped me on the shoulder and said, go to home ec. You're a girl. That's the only time anybody has ever been not nice. But other than that, I've had a wonderful life. I've got over, oh golly, almost 20,000 hours of flying time. And I've put through over 40 students to get their licenses. I've been an NTSB investigator, done over 45 accidents. I've been an FAA inspector. I have a fabulous background. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Flying 99s, we do have a link to a great little video done for Bank First Loyal TV on our website. you also find a link there to a trailer for the Netflix movie about the Mercury 13 ladies who had their dreams of space dashed by the good old boys network. It's a great little piece of history. Now, to see either one of these videos, just head to cthorizon.org, where we have links to both under our show notes for Women in Aviation. So, Blaine, what's up next? Well, Rob, next up, we've got a story about a young woman who had her first taste of flying when she was a little girl and took that dream into the skies through STEM education. That and more right after this. 
Career Tech Horizon is brought to you by Career Tech. Keep striving. I have always wanted to help people, and I've always been interested in the medical field. And one day, I was like, I love medicine. I love learning about medicine, and I thought, what better way to start my future than what I can do it now as a senior here at Meridian? Career Tech has taught me so many hands-on skills, such as compounding medications and learning how to write, read, and fill prescriptions. This Career Tech, it, it sets it up like a, a real-life situation, and it gives you real-life scenarios. I have learned the basic skills that a pharmacy technician and pharmacist needs to know, and I'm only 18 years old. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. Now we take you to Shawnee, Oklahoma, where the legendary astronaut Gordon Cooper came from. Now he helped pioneer aerospace in our country, and he was one of the original Mercury 7 who really established what it meant to be a spaceman. So it's only fitting that Gordon Cooper Technology Center has become a place where several aspiring pilots and engineers follow in his footsteps, including a young naval officer that we met with her eyes on the skies. Blaine Singletary brings us her story. Since Whitney here was a little girl, she's always wanted to fly. When I was eight years old, my mom took me to OU Center Flight Academy. And through that camp, you learn all things everything associated with flight, like aerodynamics, uh, how rockets fly, how airplanes fly, everything like that. And then at the end of the week, once you've learned all those things, they take you up in a small aircraft and you get to fly for probably about half an hour. Ever since then, I've wanted to be a pilot and I found out that, you know, military flies jets, so I wanted to join the military and fly jets. Here held on to that dream all through grade school. And when she entered her sophomore year in high school, she started taking classes at Gordon Cooper Technology Center's pre-engineering program. The pre-engineering academy drew me to Gordon Cooper, so this gave me kind of a solid platform to stand on as far as physics, chemistry, and math. But getting that strong foundation took a lot of hard work. My instructors kind of just, they kept me going with the frustrating days of, you know, I'm not good at physics, I'm not good at math. They're like, well, you want to go to the Naval Academy, so and then we need to get this figured out. I spent hours after school with Ms. Frerichs, uh, doing math for the ACT, just practicing those problems and things. It turns out, however, that the training she got at Gordon Cooper was exactly what she needed in the next part of her journey. And once I actually got into the preparatory school, they happened to have the same textbook as the uh, program here. So over Facebook, I was talking with Ms. Frerichs and she was helping me figure out how to do these problems. And she was able to help me because she had the answer key with her. So she was able to see uh, this is the process and kind of lead me in the right direction for those things. Ms. Frerichs is Sue Ellen Frerichs, Whitney's instructor at Gordon Cooper. She says they really formed a strong bond in that class, and since then, the help really goes both ways. She would still call back uh, to myself and other instructors when she needed help. But she's also been a great resource for us because she'll let us know about upcoming events maybe that are happening with the Naval Academy and other resources that we might be able to use with our students. So um, she's been great about giving back to us. While Sue was there to help Whitney through the difficult parts of the program, she says it was tenacity that helped her pull through. Whitney was incredibly 
gritty is the word I would use because she worked hard and she never gave up. She was always willing to come in after class or to ask questions and um, just stick with it to get it done, whatever that took. Anyone can have a dream in doing something like flight and engineering, but it's that perspiration that signifies a true aspiration. If a student wants to be in our program, they need to like math and science because we're using math and science um, and its applications. So it's important that they like those. It's also important that they have grit, like I described with Whitney, because things aren't always easy and we're asking them to problem solve. So we need them to be able to stick with something and to be able to make a commitment and follow through. And one of the ways Whitney demonstrated that commitment was getting involved with Skills USA, a student organization. As she got ready for their competitions, little did she know she was also getting ready for her future. While I was in Skills USA, I did extemporaneous speaking, so that kind of helped me just stand up and speak on the fly because there's classes at the academy where you are, you know, you're, like any other college, you're expected to read 15, 20 pages, show up the next day and be able to talk about it. Well, with all of the demands of the academy, sometimes you can't read all 15 or 20 pages. So you skim the pages and you extemporaneously speak the rest. She was also involved with FIRST Robotics, which is what brings her back occasionally to Gordon Cooper, to mentor new and current students who are working through the program themselves. Ms. Frerich says alumni like her are some of the best ambassadors, not just for her program, but for getting more people into STEM programs and careers. It is really important to us to see our students carry on that tradition of mentoring and reaching out and helping other people see opportunities that are available in STEM. So we're excited for what she's off to in her next adventure. When we spoke with Whitney here back in 2016, she was getting ready to head off to flight training school. Today she's achieved the rank of Lieutenant Junior Grade and is stationed in Jacksonville, Florida and flies an MH-60R helicopter. All the while, she's working towards her basic qualifications and as of now, is just days away from getting assigned to a fleet. But the bottom line is that she's living her dream. Flying is probably the most amazing experience I've ever had. And flying in a jetliner, you know, you hop on Southwest or something and fly across the country, that's not the same. Being in the cockpit, being the person that's there, is like everything that you do is what the airplane's gonna do. Totally different experience. It's a little bit scary, but amazing at the same time. Blaine, Whitney is really just part of a select few. That's right, Rob. Currently, women make up only about 19% of the Air Force. Now, that is the highest of any of the service branches, of course. And it is pretty recent that this is being a thing. I mean, they've only really began pilot training in 1976, uh, navigator training in 77, and then fighter pilot training uh, during Desert Storm in 93. And you can see our original video story at CT Horizon. Dot org. So Blaine, what are we going to look at next? 
Well, Rob, it's probably one of our most viral stories from our video days on Horizon. It's the story of Portia Lippincott, who went from homeless teen to airplane mechanic. It's a great story. All right. That right after this. Career Tech Horizon is brought to you by Career Tech. Keep striving. We do hands-on in the classroom before we go into the patient setting. So we have high fidelity simulation, so that prepares them, kind of gets their foot in the door on how to do certain skills like starting IVs, putting down NG tubes, any of the things that they'll need to do in the hospital. They get to try it on a mannequin first and have our feedback, and then they get to go and do that in the clinical setting in a hospital. My favorite part about being a teacher is being able to instill the values and show good technique to my students and watch them evolve in that position. My students learn how to do all of the skill sets that would be required in the field of practical nursing. You're constantly learning, you're constantly evolving. It's very versatile. Visit us at poweredbyokcareertech.com to learn more. Well, the young woman in our final story today, I just happened to meet at an awards banquet I was emceeing. And when I heard her tell her story about how skills training help her life take flight, I knew we just had to tell the story of how Portia Lippincott went from living in a refrigerator box to becoming an aircraft mechanic. I had just recently got a job at Sonic, so every day I would sleep in the box and go to Sonic, come home, sleep in the box, and I did it for three months. So one day... At Sonic in the morning, I get a phone call. It's a lady from Norman North, and she's a counselor. And I kind of just broke down and told her everything that was going on. Well, she told me to stand by, and she would call me right back. Uh, about five minutes later, I got her and Bridges, which is an independent homeless shelter for kids, who called um, saying that they wanted to meet me that day. They showed me this cute little apartment in this house that was all to myself, and they told me, this is where we want you to live. Go back to school. You could work. We'll help you get a uh, car or whatever it need, you need to do to go to school. And that day, I moved in. And Portia's life began to turn around, a roof over her head, and even saving some money. I found this 93 Jeep Grand Cherokee. It had like seven different colors going on, but I was okay with it. I paid $1,000 for it. It ran. Um, there was some kind of sketchy things about it, like the gas. I never knew when the gas was going to run out because the meter was going. But as the time went on, my car started to act a lot different, and then it started to break down, and then one day it just didn't start at all. It was $1,907 to repair this oil pan gasket. At that time, I had no idea what any of that meant. I went on YouTube and I looked up what an oil pan gasket was and they were, it was on a 93 Jeep Gun Cherokee and they were showing how you took off all these bolts, 27 of them, uh, took down the oil pan, took off the gasket, put a new one on, put the oil pan back up, bolted it down, put some oil in and you were good to go. And I was like, that is, that's the most ridiculous thing ever. I could do this. Seven hours later, which nowadays it wouldn't take me seven hours, but it did. Uh, seven hours later, I had my car running, and it actually ran better than it did before. Turning a crisis into an opportunity. So I graduated high school, got my high school diploma. When I got done, they had already filled out paperwork for me to go to um, Moore Norman Technology Center to go 
and be a mechanic over there, and I did. And when I got done, I got my ASEs. So that was, that was my whole getting out of being homeless and onto my own feet um, with a cool certification. And while Portia enjoyed working on cars and trucks, life was still often a struggle. At the time, I was actually working three jobs. Four hours of sleep was okay for me, but when it became me being pregnant, I couldn't do four hours of sleep anymore. At that time, I was put on some government assistant programs, and they had referred me to come out to Metrotech Aviation because I already had automotive. When I enrolled, they had told me about Metrotech's foundations. They had told me about uh, welfare, some of the welfare foundations, and I was able to get on almost every single one of them. So when I got out here, my tools, my books, my uh, certifications, my class, everything was paid for. All I had to do was come to school and uh, learn and then go home and be happy. And while school was paid for, it still takes money to live. I mean, I still had bills that I had to pay, and I didn't have a nighttime job because I, I really couldn't do that with my son. While I was struggling, one of my teachers, Mr. Hensley, told me that Metro Tech Foundation uh, still had other benefits that I could benefit from. Um, he told me that they could help me pay for gas and uh, rent. And um, so I called and I told them the stuff that I was going through. I proved to them that I was having a hard time and they helped me pay for rent and they actually paid for my gas for a while. Um, so I was able to go through school. I didn't have to get a second job. When I got done here, I had applied to Tinker eight months before I got, I graduated here. And right when I graduated, they sent me a letter saying, we'd like you to come work for us. Uh, your start date is October 6th. And so October 6th, I started at Tinker. And Portia's career took off. Other than the awesome amount of money you could make, which is awesome, you have people that are grateful. You have pilots that will come shake your hand. You have military people that respect you because you are willing to put forth that effort to help make sure that these airplanes fly and that they can support our war fighters. And um, I, I think that's the best feeling ever. If you put a lot of effort into this, um, you're gonna go far because people are gonna appreciate you. You may not think so when you first get out there, but they're gonna appreciate you for what you've done. In fact, thanks to Porsche's suggestions, mechanics at Tinker now use a different approach when repairing these simple electrical wires. Well, these wires individually, there's three on the inlets, and they cost um, roughly around, uh, with the connectors, $3,000 a piece. So, and we were doing 12 to 20 inlets a month, and we were cutting out every single one of them. What I had thought about was, why don't we just put a piece of fiberglass tape on it and then wrap it with safety wire in a way that couldn't come apart. And um, when it came out to it, it was $2.5 million that I had saved, and that's annually. And the fiberglass and the safety wire doesn't cost anything, so, um, and now it's actually in the books as a repair. You know, thank you for helping me. Now I'm helping you back to all those people that have helped fund me in the long run. I know I can't just write them a big fat check saying, oh, here's for all the years you've helped me. But hopefully, you know, if I can continue to keep saving money at Tinker, it's just going to go right back in their pockets and they're going to be like, wow, I've made so much money this year. I'll just donate some more.
if you'd like to see Portia tell her own story, we have that video streaming at cthorizon.org. And thank you all so very much for tuning in. If you like our new show, consider leaving a rating or review on the app or website you're listening to us on. Also, share this episode with a friend, or several friends, and we'll catch all of you in the next episode. Speaking of... What does it take to be a leader? For students in career tech student organizations, that's exactly what they've come to learn about. Whether it's FFA, FCCLA, Skills USA, and so many others, they can be an important part of a student's academic or technical career. They help you find what your passion is and who you want to be, but not only that, they help nurture when you do find out who you want to be. So if you find out, I want to be in the medical field, it helps you enrich those skills, it throws you in competitions, and it helps you get that drive. Next time on Career Tech Horizon, Building Tomorrow's Leaders. As we head into the new year, we'll bring you the stories of student leaders passing on their duties and how their futures are shaped through the experience. Now, Career Tech Horizon is a production of the Oklahoma Department of Career and Technology Education and is produced by Blaine Singletary and I'm Rob McClendon. With additional help from Connie Romans. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Career Tech Horizon or on Twitter. We are at CT underscore Horizon. Thanks for listening.